0: we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, your Senior Pastor Dan might Willis. be positive, might not, but you need to work on that to be part of your legacy. And so I began to think about it, and I came up with some practical principles with the end in mind. And here's what I want to tell you. And this is, the, this is the big one right here. You have to live by the compass, not the clock. You understand what I'm saying? You have to live by the compass, not the clock. Psalm 43, 1-4, vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from these who are deceitful and wicked. You are my God. You are my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about my mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Lead me away from them. And let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. This is important, friends, because to me... As I began to think about the compass and the clock, one scene of a movie stands out to me. And if, if Jonathan prepares this, and Daniel uh, at Mecca could prepare it too, because you're going to do it here in just a minute. In the movie Pearl Harbor, Rafe, anybody seen the movie Pearl Harbor? Uh, Rafe McCauley is an Army Air Corps pilot, and he volunteers for the Eagle Squadron, which is a squadron set up for American pilots for the British Air Force. And when he gets to his unit, he sees them patching up bullet holes on the airplanes. And he tells his commanding officer, look, if you're all just patching up planes out here in the airfield, you might as well just forget about all the check-in formalities and get me right into an airplane. And his commanding officer looks at him with this almost disdain. And he says, are all Yanks <laughs> as anxious as you to get themselves killed, pilot officer? And, uh, well, basically, he sees him as a hotshot show off pilot, an American. And he says, Not anxious to die, sir, just anxious to matter. And that sets the tone for the whole movie. Watch. Holes right here on the runway. We're we'll going to skip the housekeeping and get you right to the airport. Wow, that'll, that'll really make you think, not anxious to die, just anxious to matter. I'm not sure all of us would say that. We're not anxious to die for sure, but I don't know that we're anxious to matter. How many of you in here th- today think you matter? I mean, really matter. I don't mean for you. I mean, what, if, what do you matter to the kingdom of God? What have you done? Yes, God loves you. God wants you. But what are you doing for it? It's a fair question. And so that's the point. And the question is, let's change gears a minute. What do we believe? I want to know what we believe. You see, the clock represents our commitments, our appointments, our schedules, our goals, our activities. And they're often urgent. Sometimes they aren't. But the squeaky wheel in my life always seems to get the oil. Anybody, anybody with me there? More than that, I have found that people will do whatever it is that they really want to do. Now let that soak in your brain pan for a minute. People will actually do whatever it is they want to do. We'll say can't, we'll use it as a crutch, because we really don't want to. Because if you really want something, you'll do it, right? Let's be honest. If you want to do it, you will, and if you don't, you won't. And more than not these days, even the things that we have to do will oftentimes take a back seat to the things that we want to do. And the closer and closer we become to a completely self-centered society, the more you're going to see that happen. And if you think that isn't happening, make an appointment with me. I'll show you. Because it's happening. It's happening and it's happening. Now, God clearly doesn't call us to put priority on the things we want to do more so than the things that we must, does he? No. But either way, if we allow the clock to be our guide on living, as it is with most of us in this modern age, we'll most certainly fail in our goal to live with the end in mind. We'll fail. We'll say we do. We will intend to. But at the end of life, we'll have found that we didn't. Can't tell you how many times somebody in their deathbed told me that. They intended to, but they never really did. And if we don't, there's no possible way we can be pleasing God. And I'll bet you if I started over here, went up and down the row. We got a lot less people today than you normally do, but everybody in here, I'm pretty sure, would say that they want to please God. Everybody want to please God? Okay. So if you want to please God, then live a life that he calls you to, and ultimately, you'll please yourself. But if you try to please self first, You won't. You won't please God. You won't please you. I know that because I've done it too many times. Anybody done it? Have experience there? You know it. Okay? So living for the now is never going to work, and the clock will always demand the now. The compass, on the other hand, represents our Christian and spiritual calling. It it represents our, our values, our vision, our principles, our mission, our direction, and ultimately, friends, our destiny. Amen? Our destiny. It includes the critical issues of life that we believe. But stunningly, those are things that aren't necessarily always screaming at us to get done or get attention. You understand that? The critical issues of life aren't the ones that stunningly don't scream at you to be done. Just the squeaky ones. The time wasters, the zappers, the robbers. Yeah, those are the things. And if I'm right, and I believe the Bible indicates that I am, then we're definitely not living by the compass, which is what God demands that we live by. No, unfortunately, the clock is stealing from our compass. And I think we're going to be massively disappointed one day. When we're judged based on what we live by. But we can change now. We can live by the compass. And the question is, what do you really believe? Do you believe it's better to live for this life? Or do you think it's better to live for the next one? Now, I know what you'd say if I asked you. But I also think... That how you're living today will tell you and me. And a lot of us will have intentions. Not real life. Do you live by the clock? Well, most do. Or are you living by your compass? And to be honest, it might really surprise you if you take a hard look at it. God knows what you're living by. And he's begging you to seek him and live by the compass. Because you are going to leave a legacy. Got to go back to this. Leaving a legacy is dependent, friends, on us choosing the important over the urgent. General Dwight D. Eisenhower used to say, the urgent is seldom important, while the important is seldom urgent. You see, when we focus on the important, we establish or reestablish a clear sense of direction that is necessary in the foundation For a legacy. And of course Satan wants to rob you. Of the legacy that everybody in here wants to have. That's his goal. That's what he wants to do. He always has. And he's done it. More so. Again. And again. And again. And you know what we refuse to do? Learn from the mistakes of others. And we often fail to learn from our own mistakes too. And we go right back to the bucket. And Satan keeps filling it up. With the garbage that takes us off the path that God wants us on. And you know, a lot of the things that Satan puts in that bucket might be good things. But they take you off the important things. I've done it. I know. And it's so hard sometimes. To sort them out. And do it right. So the question is. Are you going to allow God to help you live by the clock and have your legacy show that? Or are you going to live by the compass? How are you going to begin today? You have to understand. People today will live by the clock, and they're sure that God told them to do it. That's what I'm saying. You've got to get out of that, that junk. You've got to get clear, alone with God, and say, okay, Lord, what's compass and what's clock in my life? You know what I always say? God will tell you to buy the new car if you want it bad enough. Mm-hmm. Hmm? So we've got to find out what God wants us to do, really what God wants us to do. And if we find that, we'll find out what the compass is, and we'll live by it. And that's the legacy that you're looking for. We have to look at our spiritual direction, friends. Again, the unfortunate position that most Christians are in, I think, is that they live by the clock, which is the urgent, and Satan is, again, good at using society to fill the clock up so that it remains in the urgent. Have you ever noticed that? This is why the church and Christianity in general, and this is my opinion, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. This is why Christianity and the church are not nearly as powerful and relevant as they both once were. Anybody notice that? It's also why we're trying to reinvent Christianity as we go along. In order to make it fit into the clock. So this part of the urgent and this, friends, makes it more relevant alongside everything else that isn't really relevant to God. That's how it works. It's a cycle. You think Satan's got a plan? I assure you that he does. And it's working, too. Working real well. But he doesn't win. See, that's the key. You know how I know? Because the Bible says that the gates of hell won't stand against the kingdom of God. If that's true, that means that somebody, at least one, at the end of time, will have stood. I'd like to think it's a whole lot more than one. But that's what it's going to take. So if your direction is the compass where it belongs, it will change life into what God says is relevant. And everybody in here, whether you know it or not, really wants that. You might not think that you do, but I assure you the day will come when you know you do. You can clearly see the danger as it relates to the end, which is at the end of life or is at the end of time. I'm not sure what it's going to be for us. I don't know if time's going to end and we're all still here or if each one of us is going to reach our end before that. I don't know. But I know it's going to come either way. So it's ironic but completely true. And so the question is, what will you do? Secondly, we have to choose significance over success. In Acts thirteen thirty six says, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Your body will decay depending on how good your embalmer is. It's just the truth. Fact. I know because I've seen it time and time again. And at the funeral home, I remember uh, we moved people from a grave before where somebody had died 20 years previously and uh, his wife had moved to Florida and she uh, had been there for quite a while and decided she wanted to be buried down there. So she contacted us, you know, you got to contact a funeral home, they can do it, and shipped the body to Florida to be reburied. And you, of course, you know, we had to look. <laughs> and I am gonna tell you something, the Balmer was downtown. Because other than a few minor details, we could have cleaned them up a little bit and shown them. No kidding. And then another time we had another one have been down six years, and you you... you wouldn't done it. All I'm, no, I'm not going to stop. They need to understand this stuff. <laughs> There's a reason why I tell you this: Your body is destined to decay. This one is. This one is, yeah. And listen, you know it's true because every one of you is decaying in some manner, right? Who got up this morning with ache you never knew you had before? Yeah, it's just just a fact of life. It's all downhill from here, I'm telling you, okay? But aren't you glad you're going to get another one? Who in here is glad you get another body, an amazing one that will never decay? I I don't think I'll ever have another pain that I can't describe, and I'm grateful for that. That day is coming. But you have to choose significance over success to do it. Because if you choose success, you'll make success this life. And when you do that, you will fail for the next. It's a fact. Get that in your head right now. So what does it mean to really matter? What does it mean to really matter? We can look again at Rafe McCauley, But something tells me that we've lost some depth in our present generation of humans. Anybody think we've lost some depth somewhere? Something that the generations behind us had, and I know myself as a U.S. Marine that we don't have the resolve as a Corps that we used to. And because of that, the quality of the Marine Corps has actually gone down. I hate to say it, but it's true. Am I right, Marine? Am I right, Marine? Would you agree? Yeah. And it saddens me. But, But it's not just the Corps. It's resi- the cores resisted a little longer than some. But society is doing that. We're degrading as a society. Yeah. We're degrading. And as we do it, friends, Satan's going, because <laughs> that's what he wants. The quality of every profession has gone down, and none of us needs to be convinced, because all we have to do is look at the commitment of our workers today and the service that we receive anywhere. Now, Social researchers indicate that we live our lives on one of three levels. And I I found this stunning. And I want you to to listen carefully. Some live on this thing they call the survival level, with their primary concern for food, clothing, shelter, and physical well-being. But most people live on the success level. And they see success right here, having the same thing, sort of food, clothing, shelter, and, get this, relative physical well-being. Big difference. They have reached and achieved moderate success, but they discover that this level does not provide meaning and fulfillment. Now, these first two levels offer the hope of purpose and satisfaction, but they always disappoint us over time. The third level that the researchers found was significance. And the significant knows that life matters. People living on this level are making a difference. They're making an impact. They're making a contribution, and they're doing something meaningful with their lives. They're giving themselves to something which is much more significant than themselves. And I'm reminded by 1980... uh, Olympic hockey coach, Herb Brooks. Anybody remember that? Anybody watch Miracle? Well, I watched it on television when it happened. Uh, we had just gotten our first color television back then. And I remember we even told the preacher, hey, you, you, you got you to get done early today because they're going to play. We got to go watch them. He said, okay. And he did. Don't get any ideas with me. But, <laughs> but Herb Brooks took his team of of college students, and that's when we still use college students back then, and and he molded these young men into a group, and he chose people that nobody else would have, kind of like Christ did. He chose kids that nobody else on the committee would have chosen, and he left off kids everybody wanted. And they said, look, Herb, we know we can't compete for a medal, but we don't want to get embarrassed either. He said, And he said, well, I want to get into the medal round. And they said, well, it's kind of a lofty goal, isn't it? And he goes, that's why I want to pursue it. And the odds were against us the whole time. And he took this team before the Olympics to the World Games, and we went over and got smoked by the Czech B team. And Herb was furious because he saw the boys hanging out and looking at all the girls in the stands instead of watching what was going on on the ice. And so at the end of the game, he gets them all out back out on the ice. He goes, "Get back out on the ice!" And they go, "What well, for?" He just looked at him. He told his assistant coach to go get a whistle. He started doing drills, blue line to blue line, and he had those boys. He had those boys sweating. And if you watch the movie, it's in there. It's depicted exactly the way it happened. And the guy was trying to lock up the arena, and Herb wouldn't wouldn't leave. He kept going back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. And every time he asked him, "Who do you play for?" They used to say whatever college they were in. And finally, he tells them, every one of you has got a name on the back of your jersey and one on the front. The front says USA and the back is your name. The fact is, the one on the front is a heck of a lot more important than the one on the back. Now, that's not exactly what he said. But you get the idea here. You see, Herb was trying to tell these guys that your significance to give of yourself into something that's more important than you. And that's hard to do today because Satan teaches our grandparents and our parents and our teachers and everybody out there, our coaches, to tell us that we're the most important thing. And that's how we're living today. We demand, we demand it. Which is why everybody participating in Little League or one of these things, everybody gets a trophy, win or lose. Really? Well, (laughs) I got news for you. It's not going to be like that in society. Now I'm not telling you your kid didn't deserve a trophy. What I'm saying is when we teach these principles, friends, how do we expect people to react? We're teaching them to do exactly what Satan wants them to do. Live for themselves. Step on people. Take chances that don't that you shouldn't. Take shortcuts. And friends, here, here's a scary thought. If the quality of service and workers that we have today is going down, is it possible that the quality of our health care, our doctors, our lawyers, our law enforcement, our military, do you think the quality is going to go down? Well, it has. It already has. And that's exactly how the Roman Empire collapsed there's only two mentioned in the scripture one was and no longer is one is not and one is but no longer will be i believe that's roman empire in the united states of america that's what i believe and i'll bet you can't prove me wrong so you tell me what's going on here significance and i think that we could all use a dose of herb brooks medicine right now because we all represent a name in our hearts friends That's a heck of a lot more important than any other name we're called. Amen? But here's the question. Do you know if you're significant or not? The last agenda item of life should not be, well, what's the meaning of life? Or how can I make my life count? You see, these questions should have been asked at the beginning of of life or during the living of it, not the conclusion of it. Because by then it's too late. You might as well not do it. So those questions are being asked of you, and what do you say? Have you answered them? Thirdly, you have to be a giver, not just a taker. (laughs) Um, Let me tell you, there are a lot of takers in society today. Anybody with me here? There's a lot more takers than there are givers. Have you experienced that lately? A lot more. So which one are you? Well, we don't like it when we're forced to look in the mirror, do we? And that's exactly what James was talking about. He said, you become like the man who looks in the mirror and then turns away and immediately forgets what he looked like. That's, that's, that's who we are. We refuse to believe that we're wrong. We have a poor attitude, and we refuse to be corrected. You can't correct kids at school anymore. You and I both know, and you might think it's wrong, but the fact is I, they still used the paddle when I was in school. It wasn't that long ago. And if I got a paddle at school, a note went home. And I, buddy, I, I would pray that the bus driver would drive faster so I could get to the mailbox before my parents did. Yeah. And it wasn't because they were going to say, oh, those teachers. It was because, come here, bud, we've got to chat. And you know I'm going to get another one, right? People say that's harsh. Let me tell you something. You put it back in, we'll change society today. It's a fact. Hold them to a stand. Hold your applause. I'm <laughs> not done yet. <laughs> but we've got to do something here, kids. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's this massive contrast between life and death. Yeah? In Israel, there's a striking picture of life that is represented by looking at the two most famous bodies of water that are connected by the Jordan River. In northern Israel, the Sea of Galilee flourishes like an oasis in the desert. This lake is vibrant and alive, and the Jordan River flows into the lake and then flows out of it, dumping its water into the Dead Sea 60 miles to the north, to the south, sorry. And the Dead Sea, friends, is the lowest point on the earth, and it contains more than 25% salt, which means nothing lives in it. Now, because of the salt content, humans can't sink, even if they tried. But the lake supports very little marine life. And I begin to think about that, and I go, here are two... Completely different bodies of water, both connected by the same river. One is alive, and one is dead. Why? Because the Sea of Galilee takes, but it also gives, while the Dead Sea takes in water, but gives none away. The contrast is very distinct. The Sea of Galilee supports and gives life. The Dead Sea only takes, and no life lives there. you got to remember that, friends. And putting that picture in your head... You'll know a little bit about the Middle East. When we give, we are investing in something greater. And only in giving our lives away will we make, in my mind, a lasting contribution. God wired the universe so that we don't find significance and even happiness from just getting. That's how He wired us. At Christmas time, I love to just sit and watch my kids and my grandkids open their stuff. I just I just lo- love the joy. And, you know, we have a few. And it, it's, it's pretty much chaos in my house. And, and sometimes I've thought about going out and getting a rake to clean up all the stuff. But the problem is you probably get some of the toys while you're doing it. There's so much of it. But here's the deal. I'll sit there with a stack of stuff, and they'll all tell me, are you going to open yours? I could care less if I get to mine or not. My wife could care less if she gets to hers not. Why? You know why. We prefer to give. And, and and why? Because we're we're made that way. So are you. We're all, now kids. They love they love that right. But sooner or later, hopefully they grow out of that and they begin to transform to the giver. Because if they do, well that's part of significance. But if you're just a taker, you'll never be significant. You'll be notorious maybe, but you won't be significant. Big difference. You see, we find significance and joy because they're a byproduct when we give ourselves away. But for this to happen, our focus has to be turned outward instead of inward. And that's the opposite of what we're taught to do. That's why there's so much hostility toward the Scripture, toward Christ, and toward the Bible, toward the Christian life. That's why there's hostility toward God. Because God says, give yourself away. He says, no. No, no, no. But what about me? What about my needs? What can I get? Halloween's coming up. I don't particularly care for it, but it's coming up. And let me tell you something. All you got to do, now I know it's just candy, but some people are fanatical with it. They can't get enough of it. I would sit out here with my squad car, lights gone, remember? Box of candy from the sheriff's department and I'd say, all the kids, one piece, and they grab handfuls. One piece. Even parents say, well get you another one. No, don't get you anything, one. And use English, by the way. You know, right? I, I, this, this, is, this is who we are. And they got a bag. They, they, they're they dragging, and the parents have got two or three more. Now, you know your dentist is going to be happy, but nobody else. So I'm thinking, this is, this is just who we're, we're, te- we're teaching it young. Take, 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 but don't give anything. That's just the way it is. You know, everybody says, well, you know, a marriage takes two, and it's a partnership. And I've heard it said, what well, mine is mine, and what yours is mine. And to a point, that might be true. But some people mean it that you don't get any of it. It's just we're a self-centered society. And that's opposite of what Christ did. And aren't you glad that Jesus Christ wasn't self-centered? How many of you are grateful that Christ was not self-centered? Yeah. So that's the point. Our ultimate goal should be to give instead of to get. We desire to serve rather than to be served. Too many people spend an entire lifetime Focusing on themselves, on what they can get out of life, rather than what they can give. And significance comes not from success, but from serving others. So we cannot confuse income and influence. They're and day different. The fourth thing you have to do is change your focus to how you will finish. Not how you're living. Change your focus to how you'll finish. Hebrews 9.27 People are destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. Now, nobody wants to do that, but I got news for you, you're all going to. You're going to face the great white throne of judgment, and that's bad. Or you're going to, the rest of you, which is good, you're going to face the judgment seat of Christ. That's good because you made it, but it will determine your place at the table. And everybody's going to know. That's why Jesus said, when you go to a banquet, don't take a high place. And force the host to come and ask you to move down for someone more significant than you. I think some of us believe we're going to sit up toward the front by him. And we probably won't. I want to be asked by Christ to sit up by him. Anybody? I want him to come in and say, you you sit up here. Because you lived your life that way. Friends, this is real. And there are people out there that think that that's not even said in the Bible. It 100% percent is said in there. It's 100% going to happen, too. No, we're all equal. <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. So how you finish is incredibly more important than how you started. Amen? Kids, wake up. How you finish is incredibly more important than how you started. Yeah? Okay. Dr. Howard Hendricks was a longtime professor of Christian ethics at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he is a frequent speaker at Promise Keepers. And I heard him once; and he was absolutely phenomenal. He died a few years ago, but the guy was unbelievable. Now I'm going to tell you something. He spoke before uh, John Maxwell did, and Maxwell's pretty darn hard to beat. He is. anybody heard John Maxwell before? Powerful. But Dr. Hendricks, I'll tell you what there there you. We were, I was at uh, uh, the RCA Dome when it was still up in Indianapolis. Remember that place where the Colts used to play there? And it was filled with men. I mean, loaded. And when Dr. Hendricks was speaking, you couldn't hear anything but the fans running. I bet that's the only time that that place was filled with people and you, you could hear heard pin drop in there. Because every other time the Colts were in there, different ballgame. All together. Look, guys, this guy was powerful. And after an exhaustive study of the men and women of the Bible, he concluded that there are, get this, approximately 100 detailed biographies of men and women in the Bible. About 100. He noted that almost, here we go, Pastor Bob, two-thirds of these men and women ended poorly, which means only a third of them ended right in the Scripture. Okay? He said either they turned to immorality, or they drifted away from the faith, or they ended their lives in a backslidden condition. Only one-third finished well. Now, Pastor Bob the other day uh, posed the question to me uh, about the one-third versus the two-thirds, possibly coming from Zechariah 13, 8, and 9. Yeah, and, and I told him it very well could be. I knew I'd always believed it. It was taught to me before, and I, but we couldn't figure out where it came from. It well could be from that. And after careful study, I concluded that it could be that God told Jeremiah this, not only about the great tribulation of Israel, but also humankind uh, in general. And I'll tell you what, if that's true, that means for all time, only a third of the people will finish well. If that's true. And today, it sounds a lot more plausible than it did 20 years ago. Now, this is something that should absolutely shake us as a church to the core. Because it ought to wake us up to the possibility that even if we start well, it doesn't necessarily mean we'll end well. And the majority of the people talked about in the Scripture didn't end well. It's possible that the majority of people today won't. Absolutely it is. You see, Christians are living in the present, and it's increasing. Even this all about me is seeping into the church. And friends, i got news for you. If you're in the church and it's all about you, it can't be about him. And this is what Rick Warren was trying to say in The Purpose Driven Life. The first line, it's not about you. I think some people closed the book right there. Well, I wish Rick would have released that book before The Purpose, purpose Driven Church. He did it backwards, I think. Because you, you, you can't be part of a purpose driven church If you don't have a purpose-driven life, you can't. And the church can't teach you because it would be about you. Once when John Wesley was asked to explain the spiritual strength of the early Methodists, he replied, well, our people die well. (laughs) I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting thing to say. But to die well, friends, you have to finish well. That means that all Christians begin well. But somewhere on our journey, something happens. Probably we compromise, we change, or our priority isn't where it belongs, which is right here. And it's become here. And Satan does all he can to make sure that we live in the present, to live in the moment. We love the moment, you know. and In fact, a lot of us make snap decisions in the moment, and we're sorry we did. But God tells us something very different, something very different than what we're living in fact, he sent Jesus to tell us this personally. And Christ said in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where your thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Now, can you guess what the treasure on earth is? I bet I can. What about the moths and the vermin? Do you know who they are? You know who the thieves are? I do. And it isn't people. Sometimes it's wrong, unbiblical belief systems. Sometimes it's self. And sometimes it is the wrong influence from other people. And all of it's designed to take you away from the core values that God tries to teach the church. Because he really wants us to live by him. This, this is not a book full of suggestions. Is it? Then why do we read it as so? You see, friends. If we live for the next life, then nothing can touch our treasure. Because it will be waiting for us when we get there. You understand? It's going to be there for you. Christ promised it. I believe him. And we prove what treasure is in our hearts every single day. Don't we? You see, finishing well doesn't happen by accident. John the Penguin Bingham is a marathon runner who pioneered the concept of walking fast for fitness. Yeah? They called him the Penguin. He has also been active in motivating others to run marathons successfully. And I began to wonder what his secret was. And uh, he said in a book one time, as I stand at the starting line, I know that somewhere out there is a finish line. Somewhere and someday is a finish line for all of us. Yeah? Now, most of us probably think the finish line is a few years down the road, maybe 10, 20, maybe even 30 years away. But all of us has an appointment with death. We don't know when, where, or how. Probably. But it's going to happen. And that's one appointment we won't miss, and we can't postpone. And in light of that, as I try to finish this thing up, begin today, not tomorrow. You hear what I said? Begin today, not tomorrow. Because tomorrow will never come because you'll keep, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. My wife had this little project she wanted me to do, and I told her yesterday the day will not end until this thing is done. And I did it, too. I didn't want to. And she even gave me the out, didn't you, babe? <laughs> but I did it. Aww. It was not, no, I don't need no Oz. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just, it was just putting a little magnet on the cabinet. That's all, you know, installing this little magnet. But, you know, but, but that things and all my tools sat there for over a week because I was going to get to it every night last week. Does that sound like your house? My tools sat there because I wasn't going to put them away just to get them all back out again, you see. But I tend to, like you, things I want to do, I'm on it. Things I don't really care about, I don't. That's life. But I want you to listen to the words of King David in Psalm 119, the New Revised Standard. He says, I hurry and I do not delay to keep your commandments. These words are even more urgent, friends, in the CEV. Listen to this. As soon as you command, I do what you say. Wow. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Do you do exactly what God commands as soon as he says it? Be careful, because your legacy is important. We're called to live life today, not to dream about history will portray us tomorrow. Leaving a legacy is too important to postpone until next week or when we have a little more time. Oh, and by the way, that never seems to happen. You're never going to have a little more time. Who's figured that out already? Yeah, you're never never going to have a little more time. So living a legacy begins today, whether you want it to or not. Now, most of us want to delay building our legacy until we think we can do it well. The truth is, you're building it every minute of every day, no matter if you think it's well or not. You're doing it. And many of us, friends, are building legacies that I assure you, you really don't want. And before you know it, it's built. Life is over, and you can't change it. Believe me, <laughs> it happens quickly. Many older people have warned me, and I've experienced it myself. I, You know, in my heart, I believe I can still play softball. But two years ago, when I finally quit, I realized why I can't. You know, when you slide into a bag, you better make sure you've got enough gumption to actually get there I didn't and I my legs felt like Gumby as I turned the corner and my whole team uh, these guys the young guys in here when I slid to the bag and got tagged out of third because I didn't get there they were all clapping and, and all I could think was how am I going to get up <laughs> or if they'll just let me lay here through the next inning <laughs> yeah. laugh all you want to your day's coming in your heart, you think, but your body says, mm So, I d- wish desperately to go back and change the clock. Anybody? To be given more time to correct some things, but that's not going to happen. And all I can do is change direction and build well now. And God is asking you some questions in order to build well. And if you're taking notes, I'd put these down if I were you. What can you do today for God's kingdom? Today. What can you do today for your community? Today. What can you do today for your church? Today. Oh, and by the way, if any of you wants the opportunity to sit down with me so I can tell you what you can do for your church, I'll, I'll be there for you. What can you do today for your spouse? Today. What can you do today for your children? Something that matters. Not something they want, but what matters. I think those are good questions. You see, we... We have to live life in a way that builds this amazing legacy. We seem to want to live life however we want to and then try to take a little time here and there to build a legacy that we want others to notice. (laughs) Do I need to repeat that? We're building a life and a legacy. Well, we'll put extra effort into portraying a legacy That we want others to notice. Not the same thing. One's real and the other's false. We spend way too much time. Worrying about what others think. How we look. How they see us. What they think of us. If you would live your life. That pleases him. Everybody else is going to like what they see. And if they don't. That's on them. Amen? That's the way it goes. So we should live our our lives, friends, in a way that will ensure that we leave a notable legacy. And our legacy is about the life we live now and the choices we make today. It's not about preparing for posterity. It's not about living well today. If we live well today, we'll leave behind something worth remembering. And as our worship team comes, I want you to know something. If our lives were to end tomorrow, then there would be no more opportunity for us to do anything. We would be happy with what we've done, or would we have regrets? I think that's a fair question. If your life were to end today, and there was nothing more you could do or change anything, would you be happy with what you've done, or would you have regrets? Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great, biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.